Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listen, y'all, I know the fantasy season has come to an end, but this is the perfect time to take your sports viewing experience to the next level. Epson just hooked your boy up with the new Epic Vision Ultra LS800 laser projector, including their optional 120-inch Silver Flex screen. And I'm telling you, it's an absolute game changer. With an Epic 120-inch picture, it's twice the size of an 85-inch TV. I would know I had one of those in my old setup and you know i love scouting prospects for the nfl draft so with this new 4k pro uhd picture this big it can elevate the way that i evaluate prospect game film like never before to learn more visit epson.com forward slash wake up again that's epson.com forward slash wake up and like epson says bring the sportsbook experience home It's a destination. We are finally here. Let's go. What is good, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Destination Dynasty. I'm your host, Scott Connor at Charles Chill FFB on Twitter. Check out everything over at Destination Devi at patreon.com slash all gas. Subscribe to the newsletter at allgas.beehive.com backslash subscribe. Enter your email, get weekly content from everybody on the team. And we're going to revamp the roster construction series. Uh, just finished off the live stream last week. And I've been hinting at this for the last couple episodes. A lot of people liked the roster construction series that I did at the end of the 2022 season, but we're going to revamp it. We get a lot of questions here in the comments on dynasty trades in five. I'll plug that YouTube dynasty trades in five. It's our weekly show that I do with Shane Manila, Clay Mosley. We get best ball questions in there. And every time we get best ball questions there and other places, I usually defer it and say, you know what, we're going to do a special episode on this. We're going to talk about this more in depth because sometimes the nuances are difficult to answer and it changes the trade strategies, changes the roster construction, changes the strategy in general of how you're building your team. So a lot of times I defer those questions until now. And tonight we're kicking off the first episode of four, talking about roster construction in best ball. I've hinted at it. I've said they're going to come on. You know them from the 4D chess. Mike, 
at them. They're here. These are the best ball gurus. I'm building a best ball portfolio this year, but I'm still learning. I'm actually doing this to learn from these guys because they've been talking about it for over a year since they've had their show on DD. And I know that's what they focus the majority of their portfolio on. So I don't know which one of you wants to go first. I don't know how that pecking order works out, but Mike Adam, what's up? This is going to be an awesome series. People are going to eat it up. Probably going to go an hour on every episode and literally we could go like four hours per position and still create content. But uh, what's up guys? Hey, what's going on, man? Really glad to be on here, Scott. It's kind of, kind of surreal because you have a, it's been a minute since we've done content together, and every time I listen to your content here on this this network, I'm listening to it on 1.2 speed. Like you, you've slowly gotten me to that consuming content at a faster pace. So hearing that intro, I was like, "Am I in the right spot? Am I uh, am I on the right show? <laughs> like this doesn't sound like the Scott Cutter I know, but I'll get used to it." But glad to be on. Well, uh, this is a long time coming doing this best ball series, roster construction series. I absolutely love the one you did for lineups. Uh, definitely influenced and changed some of the ways that I build my lineup squads. So hopefully we can do it for those people out there going uh, on their best ball teams. Cause I definitely think uh, why I wouldn't consider us gurus, Adam and I definitely have a major focus on best ball. Like it's just the easy way to play. It's nice, but there definitely is a lot of different strategy different ways to approach it and there probably is a real ideal roster construction for each position and we're going to discuss it here on the show on these four parts here we'll go through the all of them we'll do a show on yours we'll do a show on ours we'll split it up four part episode and like i said we kind of got to get to it because we get us three together we could talk for three four hours at a time I think. so we got to try to keep this in an hour but adam go ahead buddy yeah man absolutely uh, i'm i'm ready for this one um you know scott and i and mike talked about doing this and when we kind of formed doing the best ball roster construction series i was like at that moment i'm like man i i want to do this right now it's the first thing that i'm ready for this off season so i've been excited for this one uh thanks for having us on scott I think why I really like it is, you know, kind of like you were talking about, Scott, getting into more best ball. So Mike and I really ramped up our best ball, like, portfolio last year going into 22. We had some in 21. And going into this year, seeing how things have played out, hearing this podcast, Destination Dynasty, seeing how you roster construct in a lot of your lineup leagues, like, Plus everything that I'm doing in all of my leagues, which I'm still by far heavy on the best ball side, but I have some lineup leagues. It really opened my eyes to what we're going to discuss here and the differences. Although a lot of people will see them as subtle, how really important that is when you go best ball to lineup and how different the two animals really are. And I think a lot of that can be exploited because even myself, you know, I, I saw myself making errors on both sides that were more lineup or more best ball, but we're not playing that format here. And knowing that, I want as I want to get as close as I can on all my teams to what we consider the perfect roster construction going into this coming up year. Yeah, good point. I mean, roster construction to me, people ask me a lot when I especially after I did that last startup show where I talked about like this is how I want to optimally build my startup if I'm doing a lineup startup right now. And I kept saying, I think I said it like four or five times in that show, even if I'm not getting the players I ultimately want, I still want to aim for a specific construction. 
And part of it is just convenience. Like between the three of us, we're probably close to hundred. We're definitely over a hundred leagues, probably close to 150 leagues. And whether they're lineup or best ball, you're still managing a lot at one time. You still have to make waiver claims, trades, rookie picks. Like you still have to manage all those teams. I know best ball, you don't have to set lineups, but it's not like you don't have to do any work. In fact, a lot of times, and I learned it last year in my first season of kind of doing a best ball portfolio, I probably wasn't aggressive enough on waivers because a lot of my lineup leagues, I'm going, I'm not picking up that Khalif Raymond. I'm not picking up that Isaiah Hodgins. Why would I pick those guys up in a start 11 lineup league? They're roster cloggers. I, I hate roster cloggers, right? I'm the one looking for running backs. If they're not a running back, I'm not even bothering. Best ball, I missed a lot of opportunities in leagues where I go, damn, man, I kind of wish I would have added that guy because I look at my receiver room and I go, ooh, you know, the guys I thought were threshold receivers, right? Jarvis Landry, threshold receiver, except he wasn't. You know, Michael Thomas. There's a bunch of other ones where I'm like, coming into the year, I feel confident. This is one of my nine or ten receivers. Then you look at the end of the year and you go, damn, kind of wish I would have picked up that Chris Moore. You know, I would have picked up that Greg Dorch. And I, that's something I got to get used to, especially when you're measuring your portfolio from like a roster ship standpoint. I've had to accept that, hey, my master Excel sheet now probably has to have some roster cloggers on it. Whereas before, I'm the guy going, okay, I only have one Greg Dorch. Where do I have him? I'm cutting his ass in a lineup league. Like I'm excited to zero that column out and delete him out of the spreadsheet. Now I'm starting to see myself as I've done, I think, seven or eight best ball startups. I'm starting to add some of those guys in back in going now nah, i didn't i didn't roster any khalil shakirs but now i'm starting to pick him back up so i have to respect it but at the same time i learned that i wasn't aggressive enough so i guess we'll start there and yeah i'll, I'll kick it to mike first we're gonna establish this uh based on a specific format so if you have a slightly different format adjust accordingly um and then like mike said we're gonna do this on four parts so we're gonna do part one here on dd uh, the next show, the next episode will be on 4D Chess. So this coming week, next week's Destination Dynasty will be the third part. And then I guess it will be the, the this the fourth part's going to drop the week of free agency and all that stuff for you guys. But, you know, whatever. That's going to be where the four parts are. So you're going to get the entire thing in a span of two weeks. Uh, we're going to do it based on a 12-team Superflex Start 11 PPR scoring for every position uh, 1.75 tight end premium, start one, and then 30-man rosters. And we're going to keep it true. We're going to keep it to, you know, two running backs, three receivers, a tight end, a super flex, a quarterback, and then three flexes. So we're going to keep it true to the positions. But Mike, I want to kick it to you because we had this discussion before we even started the show. Given that format, any other nuances that you want to know when you're looking at this league? You're starting a league. These are the settings. What are some of the other things you're looking for just besides that basic stuff? Like what other factors are you looking at when you just start the league? Like what are you prepping for? I, I know it's going to kind of sound stupid, but I also look and see what the fab budget is because on my competing rosters, the fab budget actually does play quite a bit. Now in the leagues where I have, you know, say like a lot of people use a thousand dollars for fab budget for the whole season. Uh, Definitely different. Like the percentages still sometimes come out to the same where you're like, I'll drop 10% on this guy or I'll drop that. But you'll find in best ball a lot of times having a thousand dollars. I mean, shit, you can put seven dollars down and win a bit, even given week on the traditional hundred dollar ones. Right. You got to put that dollar down. That literally is 10%. So 
I always find that it can get infinite amount of waivers almost when you have a thousand dollar budget versus a hundred dollars. So most of the leagues that I've been doing, I've been setting up that way. But if I was to join a new one, I'm looking at the fab budget and I'm going, can I manipulate this just a little bit? I mean, if it's a thousand, I think I have more opportunity to get some players and pick them up on a weekly basis. Uh, it will influence how I build my team, how I construct my roster. Um, and I know it kind of sounds stupid because we never think of fab, but fab becomes so damn important in best ball when you're competing. So damn important. Yeah. To, to, to that same point, um, there's the, obviously like the idea of, you know, a hundred dollars out of a thousand for some people, they can't understand that that's the same as 10 out of a hundred. Right. But it, it's, they're different. They're different in the way that people view them, but the reality is it's the exact same percentage. Right. So that, that is a good point. I will say this too, to your point, Scott, I was going to tell you the one thing though, although you're not excited about roster cloggers in best ball, right? Be excited. Cause you could trade them. I mean, I've seen all of a sudden you're going to cut Greg Dortch or one of these guys. They have two or three good weeks you got yourself a free third all of a sudden. You got yourself a lot of things that can happen. To Mike's point now, when I talk free, one thing that people laugh at all the time is, oh, man, we added $30, $50, $100 of fab. Like, come on, man. You guys are – it's not a real asset. I got news for you. In best ball, it's a really real asset. So uh, the one thing I will say is, man, that's like just be very cognizant of when you have – at the end of the season, a plethora of money, like you can, you can absolutely use that to go get whatever you want at the end of the year. So from a rules standpoint, IR, taxi, a lot of best ball leagues don't have those at the same time. Like, do you look at that and see how can I maybe manipulate a roster spot here, roster spot there to try to figure out, okay, this says 30 man rosters. But there's also a taxi squad where I can hide players. What type of players can I hide on taxi? If there's injured reserve, do I have to make a cut if a guy goes on, you know, the short term IR and he's going to miss a month? Like, how do you decipher those things? Do those count towards roster spots? How do you measure that stuff? I mean, do you look at that before you get started? So honestly, for for me, ninety nine point nine percent of the leagues I do are on sleeper. So there's no taxi spots, no IR in best ball leagues. I do have one on MFL. Uh, it's the Royal Rumble League that you just joined, took over an orphan for this year. Uh, that does have IR spots, no taxi spots. So it is a little bit different. Even though the rosters are smaller, I do have that where, all right, I have small rosters, but I can stash, you know, three guys a year. I can stash three guys who get hurt. I don't have to worry about making the real tough decisions at the bottom of the roster going, man, I, I, this guy's too good to cut in Dynasty. I got to trade him away because – He's just going to be a zero for me. I can literally pick somebody up off a waiver, stash the good player on IR, and move on. If there was a taxi, I would be all over it, all over the fact that I could stash those those lawn dart type players, right? When you have 30-man rosters, which is what we're going to go with here, I think that is probably the the uh, the bottom end of like where I'm comfortable at, where you don't have to make too many tough decisions. You don't have to worry about trading them away. You start to get to 35, definitely Adam and I do a ton of leagues where we got 35, 38, 39, 40-man rosters. And, I mean, on those ones, there's all kinds of turds at the bottom of your bench where it doesn't matter if there's zeros because there's literally nobody else out there to go pick up. <laughs> there's no second-string tight ends, no 
third string running backs or backup quarterbacks. Like those guys are gone. So I will look at roster size. We're going to go with 30 man. I think that's probably absolute perfect right in the middle. Best of both worlds for us. So just because there might be people starting new best ball leagues and they want to figure out what's optimal because I've preached this for a long time, like 35 to 40% in a lineup league is where I'm comfortable in terms of starter to total roster spot ratio. I don't know if you guys have ever played in a league where it's start nine, but for some reason there's 35 man <laughs> rosters. Yes. <laughs> and so it, it, it's my it first just, home league and yeah, it's, it's the worst. It, it just kills the, it, it not only kills the bench, but it kills the market because now everyone has all these players and picks to work with, but everyone's also trying to do the same thing, man. How do I trade four for one, five for one, you know, right. how, how do I color up? And part of it is just because you got so many assets that you're wondering what to do with the back end of your bench. And honestly, I was in a league where it was start 12, 21 man rosters. And I hated that just as much. Because I'm going, man, I got to cut good players, right? Like, I, it's deep starters, which I like, but then I can only carry 21 players. So I, it changed the math on how I would roster construct when there's too many bench spots, not enough starters, or too many starters, not enough bench spots. I want both of your opinions on best ball. What is the sweet spot in terms of like, okay, we're doing 11 starters, 30-man rosters. Let's say we did 13 starters. How many bench spot would you guys want to add here? What if we did 10 starters? Would you want to back it off from 30 and make it 27, 28? Like, what's a good ratio for you, Mike? Oh, I always like the deeper ones. Um, because it's best ball differently. I know exactly what you're talking about with the start nine and then the really deep benches. It's it's horrible. I mean, in lineup leagues, it's just absolutely brutal to have to roster some of these guys or have the ability to roster some of these guys because the fact is you're not going to push the button on them on a weekly basis. But in best ball... I want as many opportunities as possible. And there's all kinds of turds that will make your lineup week in and week out. So I don't think there's really a scenario outside of your patience level in a startup draft or a startup auction on how many guys you actually want to go deep that becomes too much. Uh, generally, everything I play in is 35 plus. Uh, I do play in some shallower ones. Doesn't really bother me. Right. Um, I will say we start to get under 30. We start to get to these 25s. I really start to worry. Doesn't matter the starter size because in best ball, even in a start nine, you're going to have those those KJ Osborne weeks. You're going to have those, you know, Brock Purdy's come out of nowhere. You're going to have a, a week where Skylar Thompson is relevant. So I don't mind how many bench spots there are, just as long as there's not too few. It's too few. It's, it's kind of gross. It just becomes a game of waivers. I generally like to set up my best balls, and, and what I prefer to play is we'll just make them as deep as possible within reason. <laughs> within reason, I don't want to draft 70 rounds, but 35 to 40, um, I really want waivers just kind of be barren as possible. Uh, you'll, still, you'll still find people on waivers throughout the season, though. It's best ball. There's always a guy worth picking up at some point. But 30 is a good spot, Scott, but for me, generally, I'm a 35-plus kind of guy. Yeah, I think to that point, um, the percentage, like the ratio itself is not as quite as important as it is in lineup because, for example, you're just talking about like if we're starting nine, but we're rostering 35. So what's going to happen is it, the market now knows you're only going to start nine. You have to press the button on nine is the big difference, right? So now everybody's going to want to trade up. Like when you saw a few weeks ago, I traded up for Mahomes in that league, and I sent what looked like a really big package, and it was. But the reality is I know – 
everybody wants to tear up in that league. So if you want to go get Mahomes or any one of these really good players, you're going to have to really overpay. But now that manager has to figure out how to make those five or six assets elite ones again that he wants to start in nine spots. In best ball, it's a little different in that really I think the main thing is you don't want it to be too shallow because I'm telling you, you could go – the biggest problem with, dra- with drafting past 40 is just that people by around 32 are going to be like, I want to quit. When do, when do we – when are we done drafting? Because they don't know who they're drafting. You could make it 45 bench spots. The waiver wire is going to have plenty of people year in and year out because you're rostering roster cloggers that you normally would think of in lineup. You're going to want so many guys that just have a chance to be on the field. So I guess the the deepness of the bench isn't really a problem for me if we're starting 9, if we're starting 12 or 15. The, the biggest problem is if you go, I would say if you go less than 25, I think 25 should be the minimum threshold. If you go less than that, waivers are going to be ridiculous. Waivers are going to be absolutely ridiculous in best ball if you're under 25. Yeah, I think it's just important when you're picking your setup. I I do kind of agree that the the more starters, if you're, if you're doing a start 12, start 13, 35, 40, you could go 50 deep and it really wouldn't change things. It would just be, okay, maybe I have some inefficiency on my roster because going 50 deep on 12 teams is a lot of players. But I get it from you know the bottom 10 players on your team, the chances that they fire is pretty low, even in best ball. But you can understand why you'd want to roster them. It just makes waivers a little more barren, and it probably makes Fab a little more valuable too because if there is somebody that comes up, it's like, man, if it's 40-plus man rosters that – that backup quarterback that's going to start for four weeks, that that's almost a choice you decide to go all in. Because that might be like the one player that you can get. You know, you blow half your fab budget on a player like that when it's 40-plus man rosters because you're just looking for somebody uh, to add to your stash. I'll just say this. Regardless if it's best ball or lineup, you probably want to make the ratio somewhere above 30% and probably below 50% just to keep the market neutral. Right. You don't want a trade market where everyone goes, man, the only thing I need to do here is try to color up. What well, idiot in my league can I find to give me a six for one deal? You know? Well, or- I was going to say the number I would make if you force me to is probably about 33%. And the reason I say that is look, right now in a first year or two, all right, and you're probably not going to see an issue. But one thing I've started to do in some of these best balls where I understood a lot of the principles that we're going to talk about here you'll see that all of a sudden I have so much depth. I'm looking to actually tear up because I've made so many moves that I have after two years of doing these down tier principles. Now, like I have 30 legit players on my team. That's great. But I would love to trade two or three of them and get higher up into the up tier. And to your point, if it's off very wide, you're going to create a market where people want to up tier probably too much, even in best ball, which is, you're going to find out would be hard to do. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys that. Before we get into this, we're going to hit quarterbacks. That's going to be the episode we do tonight. We, we can talk about some of this stuff a little bit with the quarterback episode because I think the quarterbacks is, is probably the easiest one to determine your roster construction because you're probably going to carry the least number of quarterbacks, but you're going to probably try to hit uh, an efficient type range with quarterbacks in your best ball leagues. Uh, but I kind of just wanted to ask your guys' opinion on that that specific thing. Do you find that when you just start a best ball league, you know, some of the leagues you guys have started people that know what they're doing, right? You get 11 other people that go, okay, I'm experienced in best ball. Let's do a startup. Do you find that early in the league, maybe during the startup during the first year, it's the race to try to get 
the most depth, the most assets, kind of some of the teardown moves. And then two years into the league, if I'm sitting here with a legitimate roster with 29 or 25 to 30 good assets, that's when you're going, okay, I don't have any roster spots to pick up players on waivers. Let me go try to tear up because I know there's some value I can be had if I get some roster spots back. Do you find that like early in the first year or two that it's kind of a race to who can build the most assets and then you go the other way once your teams are established? Surprisingly for me, it's been mostly no. Um, I I thought it would be more. There's only one league I really have, and Adam can kind of attest to it, and, and Scott, you can attest to it now, is the Royal Rumble everybody knows it's best ball and everybody wants depth and it's 14 teams and two copy and everybody's trying to race for the tear down. And there's not a lot of tear up opportunities, right? There's not a lot of people just trying to go in and get their guy. I will say in a lot of these that we do, even with our patrons, we're always talking about the tear down and how it's important in best ball and how you want multiple assets. But I'd say the league is still probably mixed because we see people in the startup drafts always trading up, whether it's for quarterback or, Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, like the premium assets, people will still go move them for these rookies that are going to come in. There's going to be hype on Bijan. There's going to be hype on Anthony Richardson. There's going to be hype on these guys. You will see people still make moves for them and package multiple things. So there's only been one league for 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 me that I can I can talk about where it's like, man, there is almost no way I'm going to get the traditional tear down. Like there's no way I'm going to send one guy and get three pieces back in this best ball league. So it's kind of been, I I think it's some of the carryover still because best ball is more on the newer side. Um, People discussing best balls more on the newer side. So you still have a lot of that lineup principles and carryover coming over. So it's not full mainstream yet where people are going, oh yeah, I need the the three for one everywhere. People still want the studs. I think what Mike just hit on at the end is why his answer was no, because I would agree. Like I haven't, I'm starting to see more of it now. And I think that it may be different for people going in and we're talking, you know, to everyone here on the destination Debbie feed. The reality is I think this could be more of an issue as years progress and more people are playing in best ball and more people are consuming content on best ball. I think the reality was the lineups for the most part, you gotta remember sleeper didn't even have the best ball feature till 2021. Right, so we've only had two years where the best ball feature was even a sleeper thing. So, not saying that people don't play in other formats, but most other league side, like league types, wherever you play, those platforms didn't give you a best ball option. So, I think the best ball number of leagues has really ramped up, and people are consuming content that say, "In best ball, it's different. Down tier, down tier, down tier." And I think actually there are spots now I'm picking up on. Mike's correct in that it's the Royal Rumble where I've seen it a few times where I like had no choice but to take the up tier. And I actually had to like second and third guess myself. Like, am I am I really going to up tier here? I'm rebuilding. I, I don't want to up tier and rebuild, but I think this makes sense to do it. So I think markets could be different in that regard as people are more understanding that in best ball you want depth. Um, and I think it's why in the roster construction series that we're going to do here, starting with quarterbacks, it's a really good thing to discuss because, you know, if it's if someone's playing it like a lineup league, it's it's easy to just say, yeah, I'll down tier, I'll down tier, I'll down tier. But if the market with eleven other people, if we're in a twelve team league like this, is all everyone wants to down tier, that's where you can get up tiers. And I think if you understand how to roster construct and you understand values, you can kind of see the differences in the two. 
Yeah, good stuff. I think this is going to apply to all the episodes that we do. Like this, this first 20, 30 minutes just discussing general best ball strategy uh, is going to be important. You can almost just listen to this before each one of the episodes as we transition into the positions. But we'll hit on some of these other small nuances. You know, well, this would work in a lineup, but best ball, we're going to want to think about this a little bit more where it's not going to matter as much. We'll hit on that throughout the show as we discuss each position. But let's go into quarterbacks. Um, I know when I did my roster construction series, this was before last season ended. Uh, and I even went back and listened to that just the beginning of like, what was my recommendation in a lineup league with similar settings? And it's interesting because I look at that and then I compare that to what the current startup market is. And the optimal was, hey, let's go get the two elite quarterbacks, right? And then if I can stumble into a third quarterback that has some usability or value, I want that. I want... a the most underrated part of a lineup league is if you can get the two elite quarterbacks, having the third quarterback as insurance really supplements your investment that you put into going and getting the two elite quarterbacks. So I think it is important. You, you see a lot of people go, all I need is two elite quarterbacks. I don't even need to roster another one. It's like, well, you know, until it's Lamar Jackson and he's out for eight weeks, like how are you going to stay afloat? Yep. Otherwise you just sink your team because you don't even have a third option. And because you've punted, Sure, you can go pick up Tyler Huntley or you can pick up Mike White, but you're going from top nine quarterback to I sure hope this guy finishes top 24. You know, like you're, it's a big drop off and you don't want to be the guy going, man, I have Lamar and Kyler. When one goes down, hey, Mike, you want to trade me a decent quarterback? You know, you because I probably already have a team that has good roster construction, right? But hey, you want to bail me out? Give me that temporary quarterback that's your QB four. Like it's going to be hard to do, especially if you create content and people know what you're trying to do. So I went back and listened to that. Like the third quarterback is important, but then I look at the current startup market and go, A, the two elite quarterbacks is hard to get, real hard to get. Uh, and second, once you get that third quarterback, if it ends up being a guy that let's say you drafted, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good example of somebody that you could have drafted. Let's say you drafted like Geno Smith, right? You knew he was going to start, but you didn't know how good he was going to be. Now you're looking at a guy going, man, he might have top 20 quarterback value. You could tear down off of Geno Smith and go, I'll tear from Geno Smith to Ryan Tannehill and pick up a second. I'm fine with that in a lineup league if that's my third quarterback. I kind of want the lowest common denominator that's going to give me the most stability at the QB3 position. And then my rule was once I have that, I allow myself one extra roster spot. And that's for... Uh, a Skylar Thompson, a Brock Purdy, a Malik Willis, somebody that's not a starter, but I'm stashing. So it can either be a young developmental player or it can just be a fourth quarterback that Case Keenum, Andy Dalton, someone like that. I don't want to roster eight quarterbacks in lineup leagues, especially if I have two elite ones. You're just wasting roster spots. But best ball, it's different. It's totally different, and I want to talk about that. So I'm going to go to Mike first. This format we have, Mike, 12 teams start 11, 30-man rosters. With the current, and we're not even going to talk current startup strategy and ADP and all that stuff, but with the current landscape, we all have a real good pulse on what the value landscape is right there or out there in startups right now. Knowing that, like, what, what is your optimal? Like, if you could design your room, what is your optimal? My perfect world would be with you. And it's kind of similar to the lineup, Scott, where I want two elite options and I want a third guy who's got a job, like has a job. I'm not worried about is he getting replaced. You know, he he's he has a job. So whether that's a Ryan Tannehill, a Geno Smith, a guy with a job, that's what I want. 
I want the two elite options, and I want a guy with a job. And if I can get by with just rostering three quarterbacks in best ball, I think it opens up so much more for me to be able to take the shot on the the Rashid Shahids, right? Those kind of guys. Like I get to open up roster spots for them. My quarterbacks are set. I am good to go. If I can do it with the elite ones, the elite ones outside of you, you kind of mentioned Lamar Jackson. He he's he's had this string of injuries his last couple of years where he's he screwed you over. But like Patrick Mahomes. I started keeping a, a best ball spike week consistency sheet uh, starting last year, and it carried over this year. Patrick Mahomes, you know, 17 out of 17 weeks he played is an above average option for you at the quarterback position. Like in a head-to-head best ball league, which we all play in, that, that's an advantage. I never have to worry outside of his bye week that Patrick Mahomes isn't going to make my lineup and isn't going to be a plus for me in my lineup. So I want to try to take the shot on two guys. Doesn't both have to be Patrick Mahomes, but two guys in that elite territory, ideally top eight. Worst case scenario, if cost is is prohibitive, it would be top 12 guys. And then I want a third dude with a job. That would be the way I would construct it. But the good thing about best ball is you have multiple options. I can also get by with three to four just mid-tier guys. Those guys where in lineup you go, man, they ain't really doing much for you. They don't move the needle, right? Mac Jones doesn't get you all excited. If I get three, four Mac Joneses, I'm good with that too. (laughs) It's best ball. I'll take my shots. Some of these guys are going to have good weeks. Some of these guys are going to actually have spike weeks and be up there. They're going to throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns on a given week. So I could also go that route. But I think those are the only two that I'm comfortable playing at. I had a team in the Royal Rumble last year. It just had seven turds at quarterback. The team made it to the semifinals of the one league, but it's still just it's not a good feeling to have, right? It's not optimal. You don't feel all warm and fuzzy about it. And I got to carry seven roster spots for turd quarterbacks. I don't want to do that. So best case scenario, Scott, like if I could build it from scratch in a startup, I'm always trying to get the two elite guys and just give me a third dude with a job. So let's say you do have a, let's just hypothetical. You have Pat Mahomes, you have Justin Fields and you have Ryan Tannehill, right? 30 man rosters. Is there an advantage to getting another Ryan Tannehill on that roster or another yes. another QB, low-end QB2, QB3 and going with? Because that's what, at least when I've gone through the numbers and I'm going, okay, if I can somehow manage to get the two top nine quarterbacks, whatever your elite tier is, whether it's a tier of eight, seven, nine, ten, whatever, doesn't matter. If I can get two of those, I feel real good if I can get two other starters with the job and they're not... Yeah, I'm going to start for a month. You know what I mean? It's it's legit a Ryan Tannehill and maybe Jimmy Garoppolo gets a job. And it's like, I know both of those guys are the starters unless something catastrophic happens. How big of an advantage is it, do you think, to have four of those guys? So it's almost like insurance for each one of your elite guys, but you also have double coverage for any injuries or bye weeks to where it's like the odds you don't have two starters every week, especially when you get into these leagues where the scoring is a little juiced. Or it's like, man, I cannot afford to not have an option at quarterback this week. How much of an advantage is it, do you think, to have that fourth starter compared to just having the three? Oh, that's huge. It's huge, too. And then you think about the flippability. In best ball, people are far more likely to trade for that guy. In a lineup league, nobody's going to touch Ryan Tannehill, right? In a breaking case of emergency, and nobody wants to break the glass. <laughs> to go and like, I'm not paying a second for him. I'll just put somebody else in my super flex spot and move on with my life this week. But in best ball, it's, it's important because people will trade for that guy. 
not only is it an advantage for you having it, because there are going to be weeks, like you gave Justin Fields an example, the first four weeks he was horrible. He, he didn't do anything for you as far as best ball was concerned. He's a blowout average, a blow average option at the quarterback. Meanwhile, you got gross Ryan Tannehill getting two weeks there where he's, you know, QB 10, QB eight. Like he's in place of Justin Fields at that time. So having that fourth guy would be important as well. I think, I think when you get down to that fourth one though, for me, Scott, it, it's just more of a guy. It doesn't have to be like I mentioned, the third one has to have a job. He's got to have a job. And I hope, hopefully for the whole year, that fourth guy, it could be more one of those part-timers, like one of those, those uh, Jameis Winston types, those Andy Dalton types, those Jimmy Garoppolo's where you're like, this guy has a job, but I don't know for how long. Um, I'd say a rookie too, but generally if I'm building an ideal contender for best ball, like the rookie is going to hold more trade value. So that's not something I'm going to have on my team. Like that's a piece that I'm going to move. But I'm thinking the guys where I'm going. I'm trying to compete for a championship right now. That fourth guy really could be like a Sam Darnold of all things, right? Just a guy who may only play half the season. But, hey, maybe one week, two weeks, he bails me out if one of my elite guys has an off week or gets banged up or doesn't play well. Yeah, I think – so with with here we're rostering 30 players, right? So, so for me, if I'm rostering 30, I think my ideal quarterback number is four to five. And the reason I say that is Mike already hit the nail on the head as far as like flippability. You think about it, right? First and foremost, Ryan Tannehill last year, there was weeks, believe it or not. Now, he never spiked last year. He actually had a pretty bad year overall. People were pretty disappointed that invested in Ryan Tannehill for what he was going into 22, right? But in best ball, let's just remove cost for a second. And you think about like he had five weeks where he was a top 12 quarterback. So in the case, if you have two studs, one of them doesn't like give you points that week. It's a week where, you know, Josh Allen was quarterback 18 one week, right? Or you had some of these quarterbacks that are Justin Fields for four weeks did nothing. People forget now. Justin Fields was, was not even a quarterback two for four weeks in a row. Like he bails you out of situations like that. But then also the flippability is so big. You can trade him to a team that needs quarterback and they'll say, oh, well, he's only my quarterback three. But I'll but they'll trade for him like he's not because they think he's gonna save them, you know, week in and week out, which you believe that fine, but that's not the case. And in best ball, everybody wants depth at the position. The reason I stop it at five, Mike kind of hit it, and this is gonna be a theme that I bring up for every position, especially when it's roster thirty. Now, if we're at roster forty, it becomes a lot different because you can afford more zeros, but if we're rostering 30, you can't roster a lot of zeros if you want to contend. And the reason I stop at five is you can't afford to roster two or three of the quarterbacks that you're thinking are in waiting or like an injury happens that they'll be a decent starter, like Tyler Hunley or something. You you can't have too many of those because if you do that at every position, you're going to roster 10 people, eight people that are zeros. And I got news for you. If you're only having 22 people, that are going to make your lineup week in and week out and we're rostering 30, you're at a big disadvantage already right there. So where does the overkill come in? Like our latest USFFL best ball league, 32 man rosters, a little bit different scoring, but it's actually one of those where it's start one at every position except for tight end. Now tight two tight end makes it a whole different story too, in terms of how many you need to roster, especially if you don't have good ones. But 
where does it become overkill to where, like, I started, I did not get an elite quarterback. My best quarterback is Tua Tagovailoa. But I also ended up with Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud. But I've also taken Jimmy Garoppolo, Carson Wentz, and Jameis Winston. So I've got six, and I'm kind of just going, all right, every single one of them I'm, I have probably other than Tua, maybe C.J. Stroud is not guaranteed to start right away or not guaranteed to start the entire season. Am I done, though, at that six right there? Have I kind of made my bed with those six? Is it worth adding uh, Andy Dalton to the mix? Is it worth adding uh, Matt Ryan to the mix? Like, Is it worth adding a seventh or an eighth? At, at what point does it become overkill to where even if I can get a, a spot starter, let's say a guy comes available on waivers and you already have five. Is it a, I'm trying to trade one and then pick that guy up. I'm picking him up, dropping a receiver that could fire and then trying to trade one. Like how important or how, how much is it? Do you want to stick within that range? Like when does it become overkill? Cause I know I can get a bunch of these guys, but when is it overkill in 30 man rosters, Mike? I'd say you're almost right there right now, right? Adam, Adam wants to stay within five. I'm like four for me is, is plenty. Um, I'll do five. If it's the dirty ones, I did seven last year and I, Scott, I hated it. I hated it with a passion, right? I'm also thinking that, Hey man, it's QB needy league. It's a 14 team super flex, man. People are going to want these quarterbacks. Some people do, but the offers they give you aren't worth it. So like the QB horde didn't really work. I'm just stuck with a bunch of mids, just a bunch of guys that, man, I hope two of them do something this week. I always find myself when I get stuck in that position, I do what you do and I try to just backfill as best I can, right? I'm thinking it's best ball. I just give me as many shots as I can. I just hate it. I hate how my roster comes out because I'm lacking in other areas. I'm not emphasizing maybe the depth. If I didn't go heavy on quarterback, I didn't pay up for it in the auction or I didn't pay up for it in the startup. I'm not emphasizing the, the other areas. Like maybe I drafted a ton of wide receivers that are really good. Well, in best ball, the perfect way to do it is if I got four or five stud wide receivers, then if I have four or five, six, seven bench options who are guys who are threats to make a lineup, like they don't have to on multiple weeks, but I have the best wide receiver room in the entire league and nobody can compete with it. If I find myself trying to backfill at quarterback, I find myself going out of roster construction. I find myself going in a direction where I start to de-emphasize the strengths that I do have on my team. And now I'm just kind of chasing everybody else. Like I'm trying to keep up with the Joneses just by hoarding as many of these crappy quarterbacks as possible. So I've, I've this year, I've at least said it where it's like five and I'm done. And if I can't get five solid quarterbacks then I'm going to punt year one, <laughs> or I'm going to, I'm going to try to make some trades throughout the off season and, and try to, try to improve this and get back into that five area where I really like you start to get to six or seven. Not going to lie, Scott, I'd be, I'd be crapping my pants, man. I, I hate it. I hate it. I've been there before and it's horrible for me. Well, I, I, let me say this. I, I think this is a good, this is a really good conversation for roster construction. So like using Mike's example that he was just talking about, that's the Royal Rumble. So you're saying, okay, 14 team league and it's two copies. So it's really like, two 14 team leagues so it's even more scarce but here's the thing that was rostering 25 mike and i come from a spot where most of the startups we do are 35 to 40 man rosters 
So if you have a 40-man roster, 39-40, and you're rostering seven quarterbacks in a 14-team league, you are going to be able to move that. And there's also not cost to you in your roster spot because you, you can afford four or five zeros. And you can just say, that's my quarterback position. You also can work the horde. But now because it's 25-man rosters, Mike just said he's got seven of them right as as quarterbacks so the rest of his team that he can actually get into his lineup is is hurting because of it and no one's if no one buys in that's actually going to hurt his roster construction more there right so i guess like that's a very big point understand how many roster spots you have and how many you can really afford to not be cracking your lineup like those aren't technically zeros cuz they're going to score, but if they're not getting into his lineup, he's only getting two quarterbacks out of seven every week. That means five of them will not make his lineup. So in essence, for his team, that's a zero, if you, if you feel what I'm saying. So the reason I bring that up is I think where five is basically as far as you want to go here um, is because of the roster 30. It also depends, though, on what type of quarterback. If you have seven quarterbacks that are in the top 24, you're going to be able to trade them. To Mike's point, he's rostering seven quarterbacks, and they're all barely in the talk of top 24. No one's going to want to trade for those guys as much. You get stuck with that, that that's a totally different problem. Yeah, and I think the one thing that I've learned uh, is seeing quarterback rooms like that is when you have seven turds and you don't flush them fast enough, what happens? They just actually become stinkier over time, right? So that's the biggest problem is constructing like this. And this was my biggest fear doing it this way in the startup is I need all five or six of these guys to hit the optimal of what I probably need to contend. At the same time, they're probably also assets for the most part that are operated in that range where anything goes wrong and they might have a little trade value before, but I didn't want to trade them because they were too critical to how I was roster constructing. But it also might have been like if I don't trade them and a whole year goes by, you know, Carson Wentz and Jameis Winston would have been part of that stable of 25 to 30 last year. Right. This year they're not. And if well, I just held on to them, my my roster inherently probably didn't win, but also actually lost viable market value too. And it, I didn't change my roster construction, but you flip it over to next year, you go, man, if I would have just been lacking quarterbacks, but I had – Pat Mahomes and Mac Jones, and that's all I had. That wouldn't have been optimal for best ball either, but at least I go into next offseason going, okay. And it's like Mike said, if I can't get to a range where it's not just the quantity, but the quality at the certain spots that I have, I might as well punt and wait to do it next year versus just continue to like tear down and try to chase my tail to get enough because I'm probably going to end up diluting my quarterback room to where, man, next year it's even worse shape. Yeah, and you know what? To, to that point, I wanted to get to a point you touched on earlier um, with this conversation. So if you're going to roster, like you said, you had all those those quarterbacks, you're not Andy Dalton types, you know, guys you're not sure. Like if I'm going to roster seven, it's going to be right now because like there's a – I think that something that's missed here is the time of year for your best ball team. And, and what I'm saying is if Andy Dalton ends up being a starter or in the quarterback competition, maybe I want to hold him longer, you know? But when we get down to the season, I think is where it's different. I want to cut it down to five at the tops. Like right now, if you can have seven shots that really could be starters, what if all seven of them are starters? 
now in the offseason, I want to move them before I have to make my roster actually score. I think that's one thing for every position that we also need to consider. They don't move in and out of your lineup until September and August. You know, Right now, you just have players. You're still trading assets. But you have to make roster construction cut down when the season starts. The more and more we talk about it, the more and more I like this five number. This five number on 30-man rosters just feels right. So I look back at a couple of leagues that I did last year that I ended up winning, and I'm looking at my quarterback situation. So one of them I got four, one of them being Joe Burrow, but the other three guys were Jared Goff, who had a decent enough year, Carson Wentz and Zach Wilson, both in that kind of range of just they had jobs. <laughs> they had jobs. They did enough. This is 38-man roster, so I'm a little bit more comfortable with you know carrying five or six, but I only ended up with four. And throughout the entire season, I'm looking at it going, anytime a quarterback comes up on waivers, anytime David Blau is going to make a starter, gets announced the starter, I'm going to be on it, bidding him up. Like, I'm going to be the guy trying to get him with my fab budget. The other one, same amount, same amount of starters, same amount of bench, but we went with that five number. So I'm looking at Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, Davis Mills, Sam Darnold, Desmond Ritter as the core quarterbacks. And of course, David Blau makes this because I'm also on waivers trying to pick them up. So if I think about 30 man rosters versus 38 or 35, five feels good at 30. Anything more, I think anything more than that, as far as bench spots, you do open yourself up to another possibility of, of taking on another quarterback, right? If we're going to talk roster construction, I think five is a really good number. You go to 35 man rosters, go ahead and, and move that up to six, right? Take some lawn dart shots. You go to 38, 40, go ahead and add another quarterback spot or two because you can get by with those. The guys on waivers aren't that great. Add some more speculative quarterbacks, but if we're going to talk 30 or less, Scott, I think you got to cut it off at five. I think five is the perfect number here. Right. I, I agree for sure uh, when you get to the season, five is the number. I, I like Give you an idea what I mean here. So let's say you had guys like Kyle Trask who right now – like people might trade for more because there's the idea he could be the starter, which we have no idea, right? Jordan Love types, Davis Mills types, Gardner Minshew types. Like the, these guys right now, we don't know what's going to happen. Sam Howe, right? Ron Rivera says that he's going to be the starter. I mean, there's tradeability for long windows there. That would be the only exception is at this time of year, if you have guys like that, I'll roster maybe six or seven. But to Mike's point, when it gets to the season or, or just before the season, you got to shed them. If you still have those seven, you've got to shed it to five for optimal roster construction. Yeah, I was going to bring that up too because, like, if you're doing a startup now, you still have nine months or six months before the first game, right? And let's say I do take Jameis Winston, Carson Wentz, Andy Dalton, and I happen to just kind of get lucky with all those guys. Week one, they're starting. The, the good thing about that is there should be, now I emphasize should be because it should versus there will be. There should be a market because that means other people that kind of built the same way because there's only so many top, you know, 9, 15, 18. We went through the quarterback landscape the other day, and there's probably 21 to 22 quarterbacks where I'm like, okay, I trust that guy's going to start. And that includes a couple of rookies. But let's say you end up hitting on Carson Wentz, Jameis Winston, Jimmy Garoppolo. They're all starting. You you probably have also crowded out a couple other teams that were like, oops, I guessed on this guy and he's not starting. Shit, I only have two quarterbacks now instead of four. The four that I thought I would have, I don't have those. So there should be that market, but I do agree with getting back to the the, the number of five. I mean, Koopa, shout out to Koopa Troopa. 
uh, he ran the the optimals for us based on this format, and it was the number was four point three three. So it was right there, like it's right in that four to five range. Where I think if we're if we're our takeaway at quarterback for this episode is four to five, and if it's thirty man rosters, you, you kind of have to decide where you want to be with the four or five, depending on how strong your top two are or how strong your top three are. Uh, would you guys say it's fair that let's say I can trade up and get a top nine quarterback as my second QB, right? Mm-hmm. So I start, I start Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence. That's my start. Awesome. I think I'm with Mike. I'm more comfortable. If I can end up getting a, my third is Matt Stafford and my fourth is Ryan Tannehill. I'm good with four right there. And I'll leave myself the flexibility to add a fifth, especially if I'm doing it, you know, I can get an Andy Dalton in round 24 of the startup. Sure. I'll add him now because he's an easy cut for a receiver later on when we get closer to the season, if he's not a starter, but I'm comfortable with that four because my top two, I can project pretty comfortably that they're going to be in the top 12. And now I really just need the insurance for those two spots. If I can't get two elite quarterbacks and I'm rolling out Mac Jones and Kenny Pickett is my QB two and QB three. I probably want two more behind those two. That's when I'll go to five. So right. I think that that's kind of my takeaway is if it in, Agreed. in lineup, it's, I want two elites with a third that has the lowest common denominator with a job. And if I can't do that, I need to have an elite with two other top 20 ish. So give me a, give me a Justin Herbert with Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. I'm okay with that trio in a lineup league. Maybe I'll try to get a fourth if I can at a certain cost. But in best ball, man, it's almost like if I have the two elites, I'm willing to go with four. Otherwise, the optimal says it's five. Yep, I I think that's exactly right. I I also think, too, um, the big thing is knowing the room you have, right? Like if you have have three to four and that are top 24 quarterbacks that have, like Mike said, secure jobs, you can make that work. You're you're not going to have probably very good warp, but the rotation of those four guys will be just fine. You will be you'll be comfortable there, and I would love to have a fifth dart there. If you have two of the top twelve, you still want to have you know four total quarterbacks. But outside of a scenario where you have three of them get hurt, which is just horrible luck, you have an edge there. So don't overplay the room. You already have the edge. Don't utilize the rest of the times where you're going to need to fill wide receivers or running backs or tight ends now because you have that high-end advantage at quarterback. Don't utilize those bench spots on quarterbacks now. You don't need to. Looking at it too, let me ask you guys this question too because we're going to talk about roster construction where a lot of people are going to do their roster construction in their upcoming startups, whether that's best or whether that's a traditional snake draft startup or an auction which we're starting to do a ton more of, of auction startups. Scott, let me ask you in an auction startup for best ball. Do you think it's obviously on the table that you can get two elite options, right? Auctions all about how much you're willing to spend. Do you think there's a good amount that you want to spend on your quarterback room? So if we say that four and you're going for this premier one where we just talked about it, what would be your budget that you're looking at to spend on these quarterbacks? Hmm. I I do think if we're talking this specific format, I'm still probably in the 60 to 70% range. 
But the more that I think about it and doing some more auction startups myself, I think in lineup leagues, we are more obsessed with getting the two elite quarterbacks simply because it's nice to have that asset that not only is a big positional advantage, but at any point, if I have one of those elite quarterbacks in a lineup league, I know there's a very good chance. I, let's say I found myself, okay, let's just say hypothetical. I found myself with two top six quarterbacks, but I also had a couple picks where maybe I draft CJ Stroud and or Anthony Richardson, and they immediately flash and they're considered a top 15, top 12 quarterback overnight. Not just value-wise, but like, man, this guy's producing early, right? Yep. Getting those types in best ball versus lineup. In lineup, it's nice to have that Josh Allen asset where at any point I could literally shift my roster construction and probably command a, a four or five for one haul where I'm revamping my entire team. Best ball, what I've found at some of the best ball leagues that I'm in as well, like those deals are hardly ever on the table. Sometimes they're there. But just because I'm holding a... Lamar Jackson in a best ball doesn't mean I can go a tier down and also pick up a receiver and a draft pick and a running back. Oh man, I just netted four and a half first for Lamar Jackson in a lineup league. People will pay that because it changes their lost roster construction, right? In a best ball, I've had people say, well, that's a fair offer, but it would destroy my roster construction now because now I'm screwed at like two or three different spots. Cause I've just traded you my number two receiver, my first round pick, one of my other quarterbacks, it's a good deal, but best ball, I'm not going to do it, right? The, the culmination of all those assets is too valuable. So I've started looking at it in an auction. Like, man, if I can get the elite quarterback, but wow, they let me get Tua and Russell Wilson and Mac Jones? I don't even want the three. I don't even want the elite quarterbacks to the point where if I build up a good team and that's my QB room, like those four quarterbacks, let's say I have Justin Herbert along with those three, I really have no desire to start. And I think that's the biggest difference where in lineup, I'm willing to tear up much more. I think that's the biggest difference. So I'd still say 60 to 70%, but I want to allocate it probably differently. Yeah. yeah I think, I think the number, it's funny uh, that your number is that because that's the number I, Mike and I both agree with. I think the reality is there, there's probably a give and take here. If, if you do roster 70%, 60% and you get two elite quarterbacks, now you're going to have to basically be more frugal with the 40%, and you can afford more errors. But here's the thing, like, Scott, what you hit on is with Lamar Jackson, right? Like, if Lamar is one of the two, understand you're not going to probably be able to get out at cost because nobody's going to give you probably four assets for Lamar right now because of what he's happened with him in the playoffs and not having a deal, all this stuff he might hold out. Like Patrick Mahomes in in a best ball league is close to fluid. Like he's close to liquid asset. You can you can get someone, may not be every one in your league, but you can get somebody to give you four assets that mean something for Mahomes. So I guess like if I'm gonna go the two quarterback route and I'm gonna spend seventy percent, if I can get two of the liquid assets that are you can get out if you end up screwing up some of that forty percent budget later, you're fine. If you have Lamar and Lawrence, who's at his current dynasty peak, understand you may not be able to extract back the value you spent up front. 
I'm with you guys. I like it. Let me ask, let me shift it there. We just talked a little bit about auction. Now, Scott, what would you be your your cap? Like, what is your your price in a, a snake startup? Like, what are you willing to pay to move up back into the first to get that other guy? Right. Say you're picking, say you're picking five, right? It doesn't even have to be a great spot. But you have you have these top eight guys, these top nine guys, however you rank them, you want to get two of them. What are you willing to pay in startup capital in a trade to go get a, a second one? I I don't think it really changes from my strategy in lineup, but the one rule I have in lineup is don't give up more picks than you're getting back. And I think that probably holds more more truth than best ball. Like I don't really care about picking in the fifth round versus the tenth round in best ball. Especially if I'm picking a wide receiver or a tight end, you know, it's kind of like I'm probably still getting a live asset. Maybe the one I have is only going to fire three or four times, and the one you take in the fifth is going to fire six. But I can supplement that. I mean, that's where I think if you can pull those deals off, it's even more viable in best ball because, man, like if you, if I'm, let's say I'm going the other way, I'll deconstruct it. I'm the one that decides, okay, you know what? I got that 105. Let me see what happens if I sell. Right. Let me see if what happens if I move down. Guess what I'm not doing? Moving down and doing a three for three. If I'm moving down, I'll move down to the second and the third. But you know what? You're giving me a second, a third, and a fifth. Correct. Okay. That that's, that's where I, line up. I would never do that because it's going to screw up how I want to roster construct because I know where the ADP is. Best ball. You know what? Maybe I'll, I'll try a new build where I move down, but I'm not moving down to where all you're giving me is more draft slots, but I still have to give you picks back. So lineup, I I, I want to try to do deals where I'm giving up the same amount of picks, but I think best ball, you can't deviate from that if you're trading back, but I'm more willing to trade back. If there's somebody that goes, you know what? I got to get that Josh Allen. I'll give you my second, my third, and my fifth round startup pick. Best ball, you know what? I'll probably do that. I'm more open to do it in best ball. Lineup, I wouldn't even consider it. It's like trying, you know, in a lineup league, if you have Pat Mahomes, What's the price for him? And it's not even about the price for him. It's I'm probably not trading him unless the deal looks like X, Y, or Z. Right. And that usually means like I'm going down. If I have Mahomes, I'm going down to like Burrow, Herbert, Lawrence, or Jalen Hurts. If you don't have one of those four guys, I'm not tearing down. You it, could it, give me eight assets. I'm not tearing down because it's overkill in a start 11 or start 10 lineup league best ball give me the eight assets because now i can do a shit ton of things with those eight assets it, it's so funny that, that that that's literally the exact way i thought about it um as the course of the year went on so okay mike and i talked a lot about you know if you can get value for x player just make the deal the reality is that that really applies to best ball like in best ball if we're rostering 30 players or more you just take the value because eventually it will make itself work out into your lineup but the reality is it's different in lineup leagues. If you have to press the button on a player, it needs to be a puzzle. Like the pieces have to actually fit correctly, right? It's a puzzle in lineup versus in best ball. Just take the value if the value is more on one side of the other. So I, I think that's the big point. Like if you have Mahomes in a lineup league, okay, yeah, you're giving me Mahomes value for six players, but can I make all six of these players plus what I have now make my roster construction if we're starting 10 the best and if the answer is no i'm just going to keep my homes like because he's such an advantage i think that's the biggest way to explain that the the last part i'll touch on here this is important adam and i did a startup last year uh best ball startup and and we made a trade 
and I moved back up into the first round to get two elite quarterbacks, and Adam went back to the second round. And I don't remember the specifics of the deal, but it was like my second, third, and something else for his for his fifth and seventh or something like that. The reason Adam, he had like a 50-50 shot of like Justin Fields or Tua Tungavailoa being available to him in the second round, where the trade worked out for him okay. It didn't happen that way, though. So he's left holding the bag with no elite option at quarterback or semi-elite option at quarterback, and I'm walking away with two. Like That is when you think about with a startup trade, the risk that you take. If you're the guy who's accepting or being the guy who's going to tear down, you have to just almost get overwhelmed with amount of pieces, even in best ball, in order to make it to come off those guys, at least for me. So I think if I were to put some just arbitrary numbers on it, Scott, I'm with you. If I can do the three for three, that is over the moon. And I kind of have this arbitrary uh, round range where it's like if I can get picks in 12th round or better, so 10, 11, 12, 9, some people throw eights in there. If I could trade my second, third, fourth, I'll do it. If it means I get their first, I get a ninth, I get a tenth back. Right. If I can do that in a best ball league, I'll do it a hundred times out of a hundred. Secure the two elite quarterbacks. Plus, I get some picks with some decent guys for best ball. Help. Maybe that guy is that that third quarterback that I'm looking for. I mean, if you just look at like startup ADP, you got Ryan Tannehill. He's not sexy, but he's going in the 13th round. Like that'd be a great target for me if I were to start Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts as my first two quarterbacks. And then I'm like, I'm good. I just take Ryan Tannehill. I'm within roster construction. I'll find that fourth guy that it just maybe has a job. Maybe I take a shot on a Baker Mayfield or a Kyle Trask or Zach Wilson or whoever. That'll be my fourth guy. And I'm already set. The rest of it, my quarterback situation is good. I am I am the best quarterback situation in this entire league. Now I can just focus on getting wide receivers, getting running backs, getting tight ends. And and in best ball, man, those guys in the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth round. Those are good players for best ball. They're much better players than they are for lineup leagues. Lineup, you're always going, man, I need the studs. I need the difference makers. I need the warp guys. In best ball, I just want those guys who are going to make the roster. So if we're talking auction or, or a traditional snake draft startup, I think those are a couple options. At least when I'm doing it, that's what I'm looking at doing. If I'm in a snake, just what we talked about, I'm going, I'm going to everybody. I'm offering you my second, my third, my fourth round startup. Is that enough? Can I get your first, your ninth, and your tenth? And that's where we start. Yeah, and, and the final point I want to make on the quarterbacks here is this. Mike brought up a great point about startup and auction. And if you can do it at that time, just do it. The, the other thing, and to tie both of these together, right? If you go the option of, you know what, the, the elite quarterbacks are costing too much, I'm just not going to do that, and you roster three or four quarterbacks and you kind of hodgepodge them together, here, here is the thing if you theme all of these episodes together to remember. If you're going to up tier, so like a lot of times when I'm going to up tier, the reality is I'm going to continually get value in down tier over and over and over again. Use the principles of these, all these positions in down tiering and picking up value over and over. And then when I do want to up tier, it's when I've roster constructed to the point where I've added enough value and the one position I'm going to do it for is the quarterback position. Because the quarterback position, when you get to the elite tier, it's worth paying up. There's value retention. Even if they are Dak Prescott and you lose some value, you still have a top 12 quarterback. That's the exception, by and large, for up-tiering. This is more after the auction of the startup. 
But when you use the principles to downturn, get value and more and more value over and over and over, now you have a bag of stuff that you can have the luxury to go trade for a quarterback. Yeah, all great points on, uh, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about this from even an auction startup, like one of the things you have working for you there is the 30-man rosters, you know? Like unless everyone else can roster 40, 50, 60 players and then they have to cut down, they're actually limited by the number of players they can roster to begin with. So even if you go, hey, in a lineup league, maybe I'll spend all my money on my top 15 players and I'll add a bunch of one, two, three dollar players at the end. Best ball, the other teams can only roster 30. So even if you're picking towards the the bottom range of all those leftovers, in bus ball, they're probably all still viable players and you're able to save a little money there. So it is a push and pull. Uh, and I do think that the old school mentality in lineup of let's trade back, accumulate value, trade back, accumulate value, that is still, I think, viable in best ball. Uh, and it's probably the only place I would be willing to trade off of one of those top seven, eight, nine picks. So I hope we we could talk so much more on quarterbacks with this. We could literally go for like another hour or two because there's so many examples. You know, Mike can pull a team, Attic can pull a team. I can talk about like the the dozen teams I've built for bus ball thus far and which ones I hate and which ones I like. And, you know, do I like snake? Do I like auction better? But I think we've arrived at like the golden figure out of 30. You're probably between four to five roster spots. And ultimately, it's going to depend on the strength of your top two or three. You know, if you're comfortable with your top two, you can probably afford to go to four. If you're not comfortable with any of them, you probably have to go to five, and they probably want to be as stable as possible. And if you're building with the one elite quarterback, you can probably afford to go either four or five, just depending on where those others fall in the pecking order. So we'll end quarterbacks there. Uh, we'll transition over to 4D chess for the next episode about running backs. I think this is where we start really seeing some deviation between best ball and lineup when we get to running backs. Uh, and even I have to adjust. I'm still learning to adjust uh, to this part because I've hammered this home so much in lineup leagues and I'm getting in some of these leagues with best ball and going, mm, yikes, I don't, I don't like the way that I'm roster constructing at running back. So we'll hit that on the next show. As a reminder to everybody, uh, you can follow 4D Chess, Adam and Mike at Iowa Michael. And Adam, remind your Twitter handle. I always get it messed up when I type it in. Throw it in there. At ATM40Chess. So just think of money and then 40Chess. ATM40Chess. And then the Discord, check that out. Whether it's Heisman or not, there, I don't know how many spots are available, but uh, patreon.com slash allgas. You get a ton of shit over there. So check that out if you're interested. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at CharlesChillFFB. So until next time, when we're talking running backs on 4D Chess, be chill, everyone.